Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The 5 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show on this Tuesday. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, hanging out with you here from the Auction Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Of course, we are um, welcoming everybody in town for Super Bowl 57, and it is a giant game to talk about with Kansas City, Philadelphia coming up on Sunday, and we're looking forward to it. We've been distracted this week with kind of our own stuff to talk about, a Cardinals coaching search, kind of getting narrowed down to two guys, a new owner for the Phoenix Suns, the NBA trade deadline. We will preview the game and we'll talk about it. We'll do a little bit of that with our guest who's joining us next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs for ESPN. He's Adam Teicher and he joins us here on Arizona Sports. Adam, welcome. We appreciate your time. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you guys doing today? Doing real good, yeah, Adam. Real good. Yeah, before we talk about the about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, let, let's get your thoughts on, on Mike Kafka because he is uh, he's one of two finalists to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And Mahomes has said a lot of good things about him. So is Andy Reid. What do you know about him? Yeah, um, the Chiefs brought him in um, when Mahomes was a rookie. They drafted him, and uh, they, they brought Kafka in as sort of the Pat Mahomes coach, you know, that, that year – that so-called red shirt year that Mahomes had when he was a rookie, he uh, you know he didn't play at all until the last game of the regular season, and um, um, so Kafka was kind of his private coach. You know that's sort of why the Chiefs brought him here, and um, and uh, so they kind of trusted Mahomes to him, and, and that was kind of an interesting decision. That told me a lot with that decision right there, and then. Uh, um, at the end of that season, the Chiefs offensive coordinator at the time, Matt Nagy, went to um, um, uh, the Bears as the head coach. So they moved Kafka over to, into one of his old jobs, quarterback coach. So he was sort of the only quarterback coach that Mahomes ever knew until uh, until really this year when he left. Now, it's not like Mahomes has actually suffered while he's been gone, but I, I've talked to Mahomes a, a number of times throughout the year, and they're going back to training camp, you know, what it's like without him, and he he talked about how much he uh, used Kafka as kind of a a, a sounding board, you know, that it, how he was a, a guy who really uh, was a big part of his development. So, uh, and uh, as far as uh, Andy Reid, I mean, Andy Reid thought a lot of him. He played for Andy Reid with the Eagles uh, several years before he joined the Chiefs, and then. Um, um, he when he brought him here, the idea was that he was going to be an offensive coordinator in waiting. When when Nagy left, he was kind of the the next guy in line. And when Eric Bieniemy was uh, the offensive coordinator, was interviewing for all these jobs around the league, the head coaching jobs. The idea was if he if he got one of them, they were going to plug uh, Mike Kafka into that job. So he would have been the offensive coordinator here, but Bieniemy uh, never got a job, so he stayed. And Kafka got tired of waiting, and he finally left. Last year. I'm looking at the Andy Reid coaching tree and I'm seeing guys like Sean McDermott, I'm seeing John Harbaugh, I'm seeing you mentioned Nagy, I'm seeing Doug Peterson, and obviously some of these are Kansas City guys, some of these are Philadelphia guys. What what can you speak to when it comes to the the Andy Reid coaching tree and whether that's one that would be wise for a team to tap into? Yeah, well, um, 
it, it tells me a lot that guys don't leave Andy Reid's staff unless they get a clear promotion. I mean that that's you know that that's a different story. But guys don't just leave to take a lateral job or or whatever. I mean it, it, they love coaching for Andy Reid. I mean they they've all told me how they feel like they really learn a lot and and that offensive coordinator job that. He was a uh, captain was in line for didn't get, but I still think of him in that, in that same vein. I mean, that's kind of been a golden ticket. I mean, that you know that that's been the job that's really uh, launched a lot of pretty good coaching careers. That offensive coordinator spot for Reed. So uh, um, he uh, you know, and then he goes back with Kafka. I mean, he played for Reed for uh, two or three years with the Eagles. So. Uh, um, he is a pro- very much an Andy Reid product, and uh, but um, I, I know that uh, he he feels like like some of these other guys, or all of these other guys, really that uh, he he's benefited from being around Reid. Let me ask you about uh, Lou Anarumo, and just mainly because of what Cincinnati's defense has been able to do for K- to Kansas City over the years. I mean, when the Chiefs go up against the Bengals, it seems like that offense has a hard time. I mean, Lou's done a great job as a defensive coordinator, but you know, you, you, you're around the team and you're at the games. What what do you see when, when when the Chiefs play the Bengals? Why do they seem to have such a hard time offensively moving the ball? Yeah, I mean they've they've done some things. They've had turnovers at the wrong time. I mean uh, it's uh, it's been more circumstance than anything. But I, I think one thing that's happened is the Bengals have made some in-game adjustments that have really confused the Chiefs at times. Um, they've uh, the, the 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 best example of that was in the second half of the AFC Championship game last year when they uh, all of a sudden unveiled this uh, defense where they they were going to drop eight. And, and spy Mahomes that he was hurting with their scrambling so they weren't going to let him uh, out of the pocket and and the Chiefs had no idea how to attack this uh, this concept and uh, Mahomes threw a couple picks and, and the game really turned around and the Bengals ended up winning so that that's the kind of thing the Bengals have done they've been able to get some matchups that, that were favorable to them um, at times the Chiefs didn't uh, didn't handle very well so he's done a nice job to my eye with, with the in-game adjustments and he's kind of a lot of times won the chess game with with Andy Reid and, and his offensive staff um, in terms of X's and O's and, and getting matchups and, and getting things done that way. It's good stuff. Adam Teicher joining us from ESPN, ESPN.com, the Kansas City Chiefs writer. Chiefs and the Eagles, Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday. Of course, we can't have you on without talking about the game, which was the whole point. But we also oh. want to talk to you about the coaching stuff. I, I know the Mahomes injury is going to get a lot of play, but obviously he's got some extra time to rest it. What about some of the other injured players for Kansas City? It, it sounds like Hardman's not going to play. What's going on with Juju Smith-Schuster and some of the other guys that were nursing some injuries going into this week? Yeah, um, those guys are practicing. Juju Smith-Schuster, Legarius Sneed, uh, one of their starting cornerbacks, and another wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, are all practicing this week. So uh, Chiefs are pretty confident they're going to play on Sunday. Uh, the one guy that I'm a little got my eye on more than any others is, is Juju Smith-Schuster. He, he he was really hobbling after the AFC Championship game. That knee really swelled up on him. So, but it's a good sign that he's practicing now, and um, you know I, I think he'll be ready to go. But I, I feel like he's probably the one that bears watching the most. All right, Adam. Hey, listen, we appreciate the time. Enjoy your stay here in the Valley. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. We had a million more questions about the game, but we will uh, get you on a future time, okay? All right, anytime, guys.
Thank you. Adam Teicher, ESPN.com, Kansas City Chiefs writer, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Join us this Thursday, February 9th from 2 until 6. We're at Safeway, 83rd Avenue in Camelback. It's Coca-Cola's Game Time Rewards. Meet NFL alumni Jay Feely and enter to win over $50,000 in prizes. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details. About 15 minutes or so away from tip-off in Brooklyn, and would you look at that? The start Five for the Phoenix Suns. It's kind of pretty. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's funny. Yeah, he's back. Devin Booker's back. Phoenix Suns uh, actually sent out a graphic of their starting lineup for tonight, and it's it's beautiful. It's it's Chris Paul, it's Devin Booker, it's Cam Johnson, it's DeAndre Ayton, it's Mikel Bridges. That's their starting five. There tonight. it is for the first. Oh, I love I love it. Yeah, you see you see what I'm talking about. Starting yeah. five, Chris. It's like done up like their baseball cards, like trading cards, and it's the first time in 48 games that the Phoenix Suns are starting a game with their intended starting five for the season. If I'm not mistaken, they've only played, what, like six or seven games together all I year? I believe that is correct, yes. It's, I think it's it's not a lot. It's not, not a lot. lot. No, it's not a lot. Uh, I had that note somewhere a couple of days ago, but I think it's only like six or seven times they've and, actually and it's, played it's a everybody. It's sample size. They, yeah. they've, they've, it's, I mean, it's a really small sample size. They dominated those minutes when all five of them were on the floor together. Um, it, it's been statistically, but, it, but again, it's such a small sample size, it's hard to really Really draw any conclusions from that. They're back tonight, and Devin Booker clear to play. He's starting. And then the game against the Brooklyn Nets, it starts in about 12 minutes. You'll hear it on ESPN 620 or the Arizona Sports app. I assure you, you keep it with us here on Burns and Gambo. We'll keep you completely updated on the very early stages of that game. But all eyes are going to be not only on Book Gambo, but to the point of the graphic of the starting five, how these five guys mesh together, because there is a belief that these five, if they can stay healthy, that when they're on the floor together, that that's one of the best starting five units in all of the NBA. How far can they go? Even if they don't make any changes on Thursday, how far can that unit anchored by that starting five go? We're going to start to get those answers tonight to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on Chris. Like, I, I don't really worry about, look, Mikhail has upped his game. I think he's a better player now. Book is book. You know, Cam is is, is healthy now. He just got to manage him. And their bench is different. I mean, it's different, but you've got rim protectors and Bismarck Biombo, you've got a center who can space the floor a little bit in, in Jacques. I mean, Damian Lee has been terrific from three point range. So, you know, the bench is fine. Like we, the bench is fine. I mean, what what matters more than anything is is Chris and Devin. Like if those guys play great, they can win a championship. If they don't, they can't. And I I, I hate to simplify it by that, but that's just the truth. I mean, you need your star players. You want to win a championship. Your star players have to be great. And if they're not great, you're not going to win. So that's what it comes down to. For Boston, it's Tatum and Brown. They have to be great. For Golden State, it's you know it's Curry and Clay. They have to be great. You go, you look at any team in this league that wants to win a championship, and you know Giannis and, and Middleton and, and Holiday have to be great for Milwaukee. If your best players are great, you have a chance to win, and if they're not, then, then you're not going to. So I think I don't know if you get answers today. Um, because I still have I still have the Chris Paul question, which is can he can he hold up 
over six weeks of playing basketball if this team's going to play a bunch of six and seven game series. Yeah, you're not wrong uh, when it comes to, you know, it's going to be defined by how the top players are doing. I'll add one little caveat to that, and that's the Mikel Bridges situation because he's, you know, we, we, we talk about the Suns surviving the stretch without Devin Booker. They weren't on a good pace to survive this stretch without Devin Booker, but over the last 10 games, they've won eight of them. And Mikel Bridges has been an invaluable part of that. I mean, just an essential part of why they were able to basically, give or take a few games, play 500 basketball without Devin Booker. A lot of that was because of Mikel Bridges and the way he played over the last 10 games. If the Suns have found something in Mikel, a legitimate third scorer who can be that guy to pick up the slack when Chris doesn't have it, who can be that guy to pick up the slack when Devin Booker is getting double teamed like crazy during the playoffs, I would I would suggest that he's maybe not as as important as Booker or Paul, but he's the very next notch below those guys and is still very important to their success because that that ver- now it's going to be on Mikel to continue to look for his shot even though Devin's still on the floor now, right? Like Mikel still needs to be aggressive and he still needs to go out there and look for a shot and he still needs to be decisive like that. If he is and he's as good as he's been the last 10 games, I would submit to you that his play is maybe not as as important, but awfully close to those other two guys. The last time he took less, if you just go look at the last three games, 15 shots, 20 and 18. Then 19, 18, 12, 16, 21, 19, 19, 16. Devin Booker's back. How many shots will Mikael Bridges take in this game tonight? In the beginning of the season, the first six games, 10 shots, 10 shots, 9 shots, 8 shots, 13 shots, 7 shots. The next three, 10, 9, 7. That was the, that was the beginning of the season. That was the... You know, the first one, two, three, four, first eight games. You know, he was seeing seven, eight, nine, ten. And on one game did he go only one game did he go over ten. Now you look at the last eight games, you're looking at twenty, eighteen, nineteen, eighteen. Is he somewhere in between that? Or is he closer to the guy that's a volume shooter than a guy that wasn't taking many shots at You see what I'm saying? The beginning no, I see, of the season, I see he didn't exactly take many shots. And I was just I was running the numbers through basketballreference.com. <laughs> over, okay. his, over his last ten games, he's averaging about seventeen and a half shots per game. Okay. okay. And I, but look at look at his first eight games. He averaged about Nine shots a game, right? Um, I think, yeah. His first, okay. I'm just, I'm just plugging this in here real quick. Over his first, over his first nine games of the season, he averaged nine shot attempts per game. So, yeah, you're you're 100 yep. spot. It, okay, give me the difference again. What, what the first so nine the, was the nine first shots. Nine a game? games was nine shots per game. Yep. The last ten were 17 and a half shots per okay. game. That's a huge freaking. Difference. Yeah, that's a huge freaking. Gap. That's a huge yeah. difference. Huge gap, right? So that's a lot of it. That's without Devin Booker playing. So now is Mikhail closer to the 9, closer to the 17, or do we split the difference and say he's going to get about 13 shots a game now? I think... 
the realistic answer is we probably split the difference, and he's probably closer to 13 shots per game. He needs to be. Yeah, I think he needs to be, too. I, I think the days of Mikel Bridges only taking eight or nine shots a game, those days are past. He needs to take more. He's, he's, he's found it. He's discovered it. He's got the confidence that comes behind it. He just has a totally different swag out there on the floor. I, I don't want to think it was all for naught, and it all just goes away because Devin Booker's back, because that defeats the purpose. That, that wasn't the that wasn't the point. The point was to try to find a legitimate number three score. Now, is he going to shoot the ball 18 times per game? That might be kind of tough. I think it's reasonable to think those numbers should be around 13 or 14 per game. I think that's reasonable. I think that's he needs to be shooting the basketball about 13, 14 times per game. It's going to be tough because Cam Johnson's going to want to get his shots. And, and I mean, the one guy, honestly, whose expense it might come at is Chris. But then in all those nights where Chris is shooting the ball really well, I mean, lately his three-point percentage has been phenomenal for the most part. So it's it, it's that's going to be the real challenge for Monty is to try to figure out this new rotation and how it works. But I don't think it could come at, at Mikel's expense. I really don't. The thing is you got plenty of time to figure it out, too. I mean, you're not rushing it all in the game against the Nets tonight. It'll work itself out over time. But it's something to keep your eye on is the volume of shots that Mikhail Bridges takes now that everybody is, you know, is back. But again, remember, you know, Book is going to work himself back into it, too. So we may not have the real answer until everybody's been playing together for about five games. But we'll get a look at it tonight. All right. It is that time here on the Birds and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports All Access, presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. All Access, Gambo. It is time for our Arizona Sports All Access qualifier for the day. Denny Hunsaker from Glendale. Denny Hunsaker. Denny Hunsaker from Glendale. You have 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870 to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. If Denny Hunsaker doesn't call within 10 minutes, then we're going to open up the phone lines to somebody else. But if you're not Denny Hunsaker, please don't call. Denny is on the clock. He's got 10 minutes. Now, if you didn't hear your name, you still have time. You can qualify by texting the word SUPER to 620-620 and listen for your name tomorrow during Bickley and Murata. But once again, if your name is Denny Hunsicker and you live in Glendale, you have 10 minutes to call us. 602-260-9870. 602-260-9870 is the telephone number. Good luck to you, Denny. Listen for your name every day this week. Your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. When you hear your name, call in. You could win tickets to the game. You could win tickets to the FanDuel party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. The news of the day. The Suns officially have their new owner, and Matt Ishbia may want to make his first impression a great one. We'll tell you how he can do that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The final approval that was needed for Matt Ishbia to become the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, the final hurdle was cleared today. Basically, 
the check didn't bounce. I think is <laughs> the best way to put it, right? Like he yeah. had been, he'd been approved by the owners last night by a vote of twenty nine to nothing. There was one abstention. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Um, but How do you transfer two point four billion dollars. I don't know, man. I, I get I get stressed when I transfer ten dollars to somebody on Venmo. I like triple check to make sure I've got the right I've yeah. got the right account that I'm sending it to. I don't know how you transfer two point three billion dollars, but the check didn't bounce. It cleared. And so the final financial transaction that needed to take place took place today. Press release came out from the Suns. A press conference time is set tomorrow for 1130. And now, Gambo, it's time for us to start to get to know the new owner of the Phoenix Suns and what his intentions are with our beloved basketball team, the Phoenix Suns. We find out starting him and his brother own 57% of the team. We reported yesterday what the uh, what the ownership structure is going to look like because Robert Sarver did sell all 37% of his shares. There was another owner that sold all 6% of his shares. Three owners, including John Najafi, kept their entire shares. And Devin Booker hits his first shot of the game. Hey! <laughs> um, He's back, baby. Book knocks down a three. Yes. Um, and then there's a bunch of other owners that sold a portion, you know, 25%, roughly 25, 30, maybe 35% of their shares um, and remain. So they didn't sell all. So you had two owners that sold all of their shares, three owners that sold none, and I think nine other owners show, sold portions of their shares, somewhere between 25 and 35%. Yeah, and so when it's all said and done, he owns 57% of the team. He and his brother own 57% of the team. Uh, I mentioned it was 29 nothing last night. Uh, the only one who abstained were the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I was not aware of this. The Ca- I mean, I was aware that the Cavs are owned by Dan Gilbert, and I'm aware that Dan Gilbert owns Rocket Morgan. I had no idea that Rocket Mortgage and United Wholesale Mortgage are such fierce rivals. Um, They're such rivals that the Cavs abstained from voting for Matt and Justin Ishbia last night. They, they just they just passed on it. They didn't vote. Apparently, they go back and forth. They are they are bitter business rivals. So you can't vote for the so guy? You can't, so, I mean, you, you don't vote for the guy because you're bitter business rivals when it's all said and done? Yeah, there was... That's odd. It That's is. Odd. It is. There was um, Ishbia two years ago committed to making his mortgage company the country's largest largest mortgage lender. And in November, it was reported that his had topped Rocket Mortgage as the nation's largest originator by volume. Um, and then Ishbia had a quote about it and, and you know, kind of went after Rocket Mortgage a little bit. So, yeah, all that behind-the-scenes stuff, and it was 29 nothing instead of 30 to nothing apparently, with one abstention. So. It just seems so petty, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does a little bit. It seems a lot. It seems a lot petty. Matt Ishbia, this quote is out there now from Associated Press writer Tim Reynolds. And I'm starting to see a few stories from people who did actually get Ishbia on the record. And then they waited until today's news became official before they published it. This quote from Matt Ishbia to Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. Quote, when it comes to the trade deadline on Thursday. Quote, I think we're in a great position right now. Will I be involved? Yes. Are we highly active? Yes. But at the same time, I think we have a championship contending team without doing anything over the next two days. Close quote. Kind of vague, 
But interesting, because you and I had a great, what I thought was a really good conversation at the very beginning of the show. Like, we want our owners to be aggressive, but we don't want them to meddle. When he comes in, does he just stand back and let James Jones do whatever he's going to do at the deadline? Or does he push a little bit to see if he can get James out of his comfort zone in the trade deadline. We'll see in about 48 hours or so. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because James has been, you know, working these phones and talking to teams for, you know, a while now. So, I mean, he's got a plan. He's got a, you know, he, he's got a good idea what, what he can do, what he can't do. I'm not sure that Ishbia comes in and forces his hand. I don't think he would would do that. We talked about this before. Like, do you, I don't think he's going to come and be a meddling owner. Like, I demand that you trade for a star player right now. Give up all our, like, you know, like, like come in, support everybody. James, you let James make the moves that he wants. Now, James will obviously go to Ishbia with the trade. Whatever the trade is now, he's, that's the guy he's going to go to. So it's not Sam Garvin. It's not Robert Sarver. It's, it's, if, they, if he's going to make a trade, he goes to Matt Ishbia. Hey, Matt, here's the trade I got. And, you know, and Matt, has, that happens with everybody. Like, you've got to get approval from the owner. Like, I'm going to make this trade. I'm going to trade this player and this player for this player and this player. And here's what, how it's going to affect our cap. And here's how it's going to affect our luxury tax. And I need you to sign off on it. I would expect that Matt. Matt Ishbia right now is going to sign off on the things that James wants to do. Yeah, I, I would expect you're not wrong. I I, I just I, look. It's still James is still the general manager. James has done all the legwork, and I can't imagine Ishbia is going to come in and make a bunch of demands, wanting James to do things that he doesn't want to do. But I I would I, I would also think well I don't know. You know what? We'll find out more tomorrow. I, I was gonna say I would think that Ishbia would want his basketball organization to do something even somewhat bold at the deadline. Again, not knowing exactly what that looks like. But remember, this was pushed through on the fast track for this very reason right here. To have Matt Ishbia in command and in control going into the deadline. If the plan was to not do anything out of the norm, what would have been the rush to get Ishbia in? He's kind of here to be able to approve anything that might come down that James wants to do that maybe he couldn't have done before because of the transfer of ownership. I just I, I have to feel like because this thing was rushed to get done before the deadline, that there is a plan to do something somewhat aggressive at this deadline that required Ishby to be in charge to make it happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of the impression that I got the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I would think, like, the fact that it's getting done right before the deadline, sure. I mean, you didn't want to feel like the Suns were going to be handcuffed and it wasn't fair. They couldn't make any moves and they couldn't make any trades over $10 million and they couldn't give up any assets because, you know, the sale hadn't gone through. Uh, and obviously, Matt wasn't going to be, do, be able to do anything until the sale was basically finalized, although he could have conversations. He wasn't able to really do anything. Yeah. So I do think that you're probably right that the sale was kind of pushed through to, to make sure that it got done before the trade deadline. That's why I reported, you know, uh, yesterday that it would be finalized by today. And today it got finalized, and now Matt Ishbia's can completely in charge. I, I, and I'll admit, I'm biased on this one. And what I mean by that is, I've I've seen James Jones at the trade deadline before, and it always leaves me wanting more. It always makes me wish he had done more than what he's done at the deadline. So there is very much a part of me that I, I hope there's a little bit of a push to be more aggressive this year. Now, whether that push 
push comes from Ishbia, whether that push comes from James recognizing he needs to do more at this year's deadline compared to previous years. I don't know, but I, I think the last couple of years they haven't done much at the deadline, and I feel like it's cost them. And I don't want that to be the case again this year. So I would like them to be more aggressive on Thursday, whether that comes from Matt, whether that comes from James himself, Monty, whatever, whomever, don't care. Um, I just like to see that happen. I don't know if it's going to. I'd like to see that happen on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I'm... You know, I think right now there's a lot of good things happening. You got the ownership change. You got Devin Booker back in the lineup. You've got a trade deadline, which you know we're going to see Jay Crowder finally get traded. This this is a good week. Like this is a good week to be a Suns fan. Yes, it is. Books back. Matty Spee is in charge. Jay Crowder is finally going to get traded. Like this this is a good week for the Suns. So can it be a great week? Can they do something that makes it a great week? Possibly. I mean, I we talked about Durant and how they still may want to hold out for Durant. Um, but I still think that there are moves that they can make at the deadline that can help the team be. And that look, the typical James Jones move is to go get some depth at the wing position, rely on your, your Devin and Chris and DeAndre and Mikhail and Cam to bring you the championship, but give those guys a little bit of help and allow them to, you know, to have some depth. I think maybe a wing player. Again, I've always thought they were going to get a wing player. That's the typical James move. I'm going to I'm going to change Trey J and maybe somebody else. I'm going to get a little bit of depth. Somebody could shoot the ball a little bit and play some defense for me with some size. And I don't know that they'll do anything more than that. Congratulations to Denny Hunsicker. He called on time. He actually called right away. I should have announced something earlier in the segment. So we do have our qualifier. If you want to qualify and hear your name potentially tomorrow, text the word super to six. 620, when we come back, if you want to hear a ringing endorsement for a potential Cardinals head coach, just ask the head coach and quarterback of one of the two Super Bowl teams, and you'll get your ringing endorsement next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we are going to watch this evening... And, of course, all eyes are on the Phoenix Suns taking on the Brooklyn Nets. 21-17, 3.50 to go in the first quarter of the game. Devin Booker in his return back so far. Eight points, three of four from the floor, two of three from distance in five minutes. DeAndre Eaton has added six. Cam Johnson is perfect from the floor as well so far. He's got five points. He's hit a three. Suns coming out shooting 61.5% so far in the game, and they have got a three-point lead, four-point lead over the Brooklyn Nets so far. That's what we're going to be watching tonight, Gambo. Yeah, Tory Craig came in for book at the 655 mark. You know, I'm somehow fascinated with substitution patterns. I, I know, I know you closely. are. Yes. Yeah, 655. So book played five minutes. So he came out right under the seven minute mark. So he played, you know, five minutes and and five seconds. And then Tory Craig came in for him. So that was the that was the sub. Tory Craig for Devin Booker at the 655 mark. Yeah. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that game, and you can hear it, of course, right now on ESPN 620 and the Arizona Sports app. Locally, the Suns, the only team in action tonight. But, of course, this is a big one with the return of Devin Booker. Um, Let's turn our attention briefly to the Arizona Cardinals coaching search as we kind of wind it down on this Tuesday edition of Burns and Gambo. Andy Reid said 
today, the two known candidates are Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator of the Bengals, Mike Kafka, and, and I, we, we've gone back and forth on this. It might take us a while to get used to it. It is Kafka, not Kafka, we asked. It's Kafka. Um, what Mike Kafka could bring to Arizona, this is what Andy Reid had to say about that. I actually told Mr. Bidwell this, too. Uh, um, he's a, a very intelligent, great human being. Um, and, and your quarterback would love him. Uh, he'd challenge him uh, to be better than he even is now. But he'd do a, he'd do a great job. He'd challenge the team. And uh, I think the guys would respond. He played in the National Football League. I had a chance to draft him out of Northwestern. And so, uh, you know, I think he'd be uh, tremendous for for the city, for the Bidwell family, you know, and for y'all. Glowing review. And, of course, that Andy Reid coaching tree, man, it's legit. There are a lot of Super Bowl champs that have come from that Andy Reid coaching yeah. tree. Listen to this tweet. Um, I got. I got to say this, uh, Joe Banner. You know, longtime executive. He was the Philadelphia Eagles president for um, seventeen years. He was the Browns' chief executive officer, and then worked for the Falcons a little bit. Um, he tweeted this out. Just I'm trying to see when because I just sent it to you twenty hours ago. He sent out this tweet. The organization that has lost is Arizona. They actually had a potential head coaching candidate decide he would rather be a D.C. than a head coach of the Cardinals. It's going to be somewhere between difficult and impossible for the next head coach to have significant success. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's look, we've talked about it for the last two shows now. I I mean, in the fact that it comes from Joe Banner, pretty respected guy in the National Football League, obviously, former president of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a problem, Gambo. There have been a lot of people who have said no to the Arizona Cardinals during this cycle. A lot of people who have three in particular who have chosen not to get promoted so that they couldn't work for the Arizona Cardinals, wouldn't work for the Arizona Cardinals. Ian Cunningham, the assistant general manager of the Bears, decided not to become general manager of the Cardinals. Uh, Brian Flores decided to be the defensive coordinator for the Vikings rather than at least compete for the head coaching job of the Arizona Cardinals. And Dan Quinn decided that he was content to go back to Dallas and be the defensive coordinator there rather than continue to possibly fight to be a head coach for the Cardinals. That's concerning. I I mean, it's deeply concerning. And they're not the only ones. D'Amico Ryans was supposed to interview with him. He canceled. Sean Payton, you know, I mean, the Cardinals spent all day talking to him like they did for most of their candidates, and he ultimately decided he'd rather have the, the Broncos job than the Cardinals job. Speaking of that, did you see, I didn't send this to you on Twitter, did you see the Terry Bradshaw stuff from earlier today? Oh, yeah, on Sean Payton? Oh, my gosh. So Tom yeah. Tom Rock is a columnist covering the NFL for Newsday. He tweeted out, I sat with Terry Bradshaw for a bit. Interesting comments on Sean Payton, his co-worker, for the past year at Fox. He said that Payton didn't want to go to Arizona because of the quarterback. He also said he didn't want to go to Denver because of the quarterback. Ultimately, he took that job in spite of Russ. <laughs> that wow! Was, that was tweeted out by Tom Rock today from Newsday. Yeah. I actually taught him. I I taught him the ropes back in the day. Get out, Seriously? Tom Rock.
Yeah, it was one of the guys I kind of like. I, I he kind of learned under me for a little bit. Really? Yeah. Tom Rock came in when I was at Newsday. Wow. Well, Tom Rock now has some, and I guess there's even some video on his Twitter that, that somewhat backs it up. Peyton didn't want to go to Arizona because of the quarterback. Didn't want to go to Denver. He said he didn't want to go to Denver because of the quarterback. Yeah. Ultimately, but he ended up taking the job anyway. Yeah, because he got paid eighty five million dollars over five years. You know. You know what? I'll figure out something with the quarterback. I'm getting eighty five million. Gambo, it's concerning. There's there's just no other way to frame the conversation. I think it's the cash budget. I think these owners know, right? I think the cash budget, it's just not close to others in the division, and I think that's got to be a factor. We'll talk much more about this tomorrow and in the coming days. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock right here. Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.